It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Eric, it's interesting to me that throughout Scripture, there are so many cause and effects. In other words, God will say, if you do this, this will happen. Uh, if you don't do this, this is going to take place. Yeah. It's interesting that a lot of times I think we come to Scripture very passively thinking, well, God's just going to do everything or the opposite. I've got to do everything. Uh-huh. When in reality, there is this cause effect reality of first things first. These are the repercussions of it. I, I just find that an intriguing thought all throughout Scripture. Yeah, I, I was teaching a, a series on revival uh, this is a few years ago, and I did another series this past fall, I think, on revival. But and I, I think I brought it up, but I call it the principle of farming. That God basically has created this idea of a seed growing into a full plant. And if a farmer does what a farmer is supposed to do, it's not necessarily something supernatural that a crop comes forth, even though it is. It's it's still amazing. Every time you watch a seed turn into a plant, but we wouldn't call it supernatural. We'd call it natural, right? It's just the way God designed things. And that's the way our soul is designed as well. In other words, it's a supernatural influence of God upon it. But when we agree this is what always happens. It's not a surprise. It always happens. So I said revival is just the actual outflow of man responding to God as God initiates and man responds. Then out comes a reviving of the human soul and a reviving of a, of a community and a culture. And so when we do what God asks, well, it's amazing what can happen as a result. So we've been building on a sermon that I gave on Sunday. So all of this week, uh, every single day of this week, this is the first time we've done this with Daily Thunder where we keep a, a common theme. And I think it's been so powerful for us as as a local community to just focus so uh, tightly, sort of like to create that centrifugal force around one topic and to go deeper with it so we don't just hear it, but we ensure the action with it. And so throughout this week, we've sort of been building on it. The, the sermon was called Living Dangerously which has to do with the very practical actions that we take. And we can almost call them the pre-actions, the actions before the things we even realize we're doing. We see outcomes oftentimes in our life. And we're like, I don't like that outcome. But we oftentimes don't trace it back to where it's coming from. And the, the root or primary actions in our life, like we've used the illustration all week of getting out of bed in the morning. How do you get out of bed in the morning? Because that's going to define the rest of your day. If you're getting up grumpy and grouchy, well, that's going to color the rest of your day. But there's so many zones of our life where we enter into them, like our, say, our conversation with our spouse. When you enter into it irritated, sort of like, oh, great, I need to do this again. Oh, I don't have time for this. I need to get to this other task. You immediately are coloring the conversation. I could almost predict ahead of time. That conversation isn't going to go well. Why? Because you're approaching it with self as your focus, as opposed to with Christ as your focus. So when you put first things first, it actually alters the outcome of everything else. So just to sort of start us out on this theme today, let's watch a clip from Sunday's sermon, and that'll you know get you and I started and our brains uh, churning on it. All right? First, feed him. Now, this is backwards. I don't know if you guys remember the story of Elijah and the widow from Zarephath. It's a really challenging story because if you're the widow from Zarephath, you get a little uncomfortable in the story. We'd rather be Elijah in the story and say, hey, feed me. Instead, I think we're more like the widow 
And Elijah is more of a symbol of Jesus in this. This widow is commanded to feed him by God Almighty. That's actually what God tells Elijah. I've commanded a widow woman in Zarephath to feed you. (laughs) This widow woman doesn't have anything. It's sort of a tricky one. When Okay, she does have something. She has a little bit of uh, flour and a little bit of oil. Just enough to make one little cake, and then her and her son are planning on baking that little cake, eating it, and dying. (laughs) That's when Elijah arrives. That's the plan. And Elijah is going to start by saying, hey, feed me first. And if you do, your flour and your oil will never run out. You want to be successful in your life, feed him first. Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So God could say, I see what you're after. I see it. Okay, we understand that. Now, where do we start? When you're getting out of bed in the morning, what do you do? Okay, I'm going to seek you first. All right? When you walk into the living room, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to seek you first. When you walk into the kitchen, what are you going to do? I'm going to seek you first. Okay, when you walk into your marriage, what are you going to do? I'm going to seek you first. Okay, when you walk into your parenting, what are you going to do? I'm going to seek you first. And then all these other things are going to be added in. God is going to care for the proper development and cultivation when we put the priority where the priority needs to be. Now, if someone hasn't watched that entire message, they they really need to go back and listen to that entire message, Living Dangerously. But it's interesting, you're you're talking about that, again, that cause and effect, or what we could even call the domino effect, Mm -hmm. that when I seek first the kingdom of God and put him as the forefront of my life, Mm -hmm. well, then these dominoes start to fall, and he actually, all the stuff that everyone else craves and goes after and Mm -hmm. focuses on, he will actually supply when I seek first. Yeah, that's the, that's the entire principle of Scripture. We recognize it as Christians, but very few of us actually implement it as yep. Christians. In other words, like we were given those different zones when you wake up in the morning. Well, you know what? I don't want to wake up in the morning. And when you start out with a self-focus, it's not putting Christ first. So you're not seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. You're seeking first your comfort. And, you know, you want to be a little miserable and you want to have a little self-pity. And so you're... You're groveling in it. And as a result, it's coloring the rest of your day. Any of the zones of your life, that's the case. And so uh, these these dimensions, you know, for you and I, we've been doing this for a long time now. We've been walking a narrow way. And it's, you know, we could testify of the difficulties of it. We could testify of the false accusations, of the revilement that come with following Christ. And yet we're also going to say, This is a wonderful road. It is amazing what comes with knowing Jesus. And so though it is a challenge to follow Christ, we have found that when we have stayed consistent in these, what we could call first things, these priority points of saying, we're about Jesus. That's Ellerslie's mandate, if you could say it that way, is we are about Jesus. And we really are. Everything we teach, we want people to see Jesus. Everything we do in our life, we want people to see Jesus. And it sounds funny that we've had a fight for that for yeah. a decade. Yeah. In other words, there's so many poles in our culture and with people and of trying to get your focus off of the center. Yeah. And it's interesting that there is something about seeking first. It's not even just the first action. It's it's the deliberate choice to fight to keep that guarded because yeah. it is so easy for it not to be first. And in every aspect of our humanity, yeah. just like the widow at Zarephath, if all I have is a little flour and a little oil... 
God, you can't ask for that. By the way, that sounds like a miserable cake, doesn't it? I mean, at least add some sugar so it's a cake. But flour and oil just sounds like... I don't even know what that is. but It's, it's just sort of a pile. I'm not exactly sure. I've had that same thought. But they bake it. Maybe it does some magic to it. And maybe the flour had some other ingredients in it. That's all we know is flour and oil, though. Uh, but if all you have is a little... It's really hard to give it up. Yep. And yet, if you will give it up, and this is a lesson for all of us right now, if you will give up that little that you are holding on to right now, then God's grace will be unlocked in your life. It's like the, the, the river is dammed up of all of God's grace. And he's like, would you hand over the, the keys to your life? You're like, but God, that's, that's all I have is my little, I always call it a handful of pebbles. All I have is a handful of pebbles. It's like, I want to give you a handful of, you know, a truckload of jewels or a, a, a train uh, loads, train loads of jewels. And you're holding on to your handfuls, handful of pebbles. It's like, come on, Eric. Well, and it's so interesting too, that we, we think, oh, I mean, it's like we're, we're, to use your illustration, we think that those pebbles mean everything. Yeah. But in reality, it's actually, even once you have the jewels, it's a actually letting go of those jewels to get the greater even beyond that. Yeah. In other words, it, it's a continual reality. And it's it's interesting to me that it's, the, it's that smallness uh, or that idea of what seems small in the beginning grows. Mm -hmm. But even if once it grows, I still have to be willing to still give the yeah. fullness of it. In other words, if I, if I have a dollar, I need to be willing to give the dollar. Yeah. But if I have $100, it seems easier to give the $100. But in reality, yeah. if I haven't been training the dollar, I can't give the $100. Yeah. But I need that same willingness and that surrender, uh, even at that point, too, which is just an interesting thought. So I wanted to play a clip. I, I actually interviewed Leslie via Zoom, which sounds funny, uh, but that was the only way we could make it work. And it's a very, very powerful interview. The video quality is definitely not something to brag about. And the audio quality is a little shaky at times, but it's clear and it's powerful. And it basically is reflecting back because what I wanted to ask her about is how is this principle of first things affected our life? You know, we've been married 26 years. So I wanted her to weigh in on that. How has this principle affected our life? I mean, people are hearing from me. The sermon was given by me. They've been talking to you and I've been jabbering about it all week. I wanted Leslie to weigh in on it. And her response was actually really, really powerful. I think you guys will enjoy it. So Leslie, I wanted to sort of unpack this idea of the divine domino effect and specifically ask you to sort of bring out that dimension of how this has affected our life our marriage, our ministry. I know this is a very significant topic for us over the years. And so could you just sort of unpack that uh, for everyone of how that's personally changed us, how we've personally witnessed this? So I remember before we were married, we made a lot of decisions that seemed to other people a bit unnecessary, I would say, kind of like why you being so concerned with this or with that. And I remember specifically, we when we spent time together in our pre-marriage relationship, it was very focused on spiritual things. And a lot of people thought that was weird. It's like, well, you're in a romantic relationship. You should be focused more on your feelings for each other, on doing the normal things that a dating couple would do. We spent most of our time digging into Christian biographies or studying scripture or praying, you know, for the lost around the world, or we were engaged in outreaches with other people from our church. And that was kind of how we cultivated our relationship. Even when we 
corresponded back and forth when you were off at missionary school and on the mission field for a couple of years during our relationship, we actually wrote letters back and forth, which kind of dates us just a little bit because there weren't, there weren't, there wasn't an easy way to text or email or FaceTime or anything. We had to write physical letters, but most of those letters were focused primarily on what God was doing in our life, just really putting Jesus first. And I remember people saying, well, if you don't focus on the romantic side and just gush about your feelings for each other all the time, that will impair your relationship. Yeah, I feel like the opposite was true because we laid such a strong spiritual foundation when we did layer that other stuff on, which was later in the relationship, more towards engagement, it, it had such a solid foundation of spiritual unity. I remember my dad had said, build a relationship with spiritual unity and then emotional and then physical in marriage. And it was such great advice. You know, some people say, well, it's bad to pray with the person you're in a relationship. It's bad to explore things spiritually. I would say, the spiritual side can be a catalyst of something unhealthy. So if you're constantly praying about really deep, intimate, personal things at a premature stage in the relationship, that can lead to something unhealthy. But I think for you and I, we really felt that cultivating a like-mindedness spiritually is what we wanted to be the focal point of our relationship. And so studying those Christian biographies, studying scripture together, praying for others, we weren't always necessarily praying for deep, intimate, personal needs, but praying for others and joining up with other Christians to do outward focused things, preach the pull and minister to those that were in need. It, it was so strengthening to our relationship. And I, I feel like even though there were people in our life who thought it was extreme or unnecessary that we focused so much on putting Jesus at the center. I, I really believe that's one of the reasons that here, 26 years later, we're still going strong in our marriage because we laid that foundation of putting Jesus first. We didn't just dive into the romance side and focus only on our feelings for each other. We really brought Jesus into her. And it wasn't like, you know, we we're perfect or we didn't have temptations to veer off track. But I think that decision, even though a lot of other people didn't understand it, was absolutely critical. And then I, I think fast forward to uh, several years into our ministry, we were exhausted. We were on the road. We were traveling and speaking. And we kind of let that part of our relationship slide into the background where we weren't growing together spiritually as much. It wasn't a focus. We, When we had downtime, we wanted to veg in front of a movie or binge watch a TV show or do something that would cause us to go brain dead. And the impact that that had of not putting Jesus in his rightful place was incredible. Like we suddenly... I, I was struggling with things like depression and fear and anxiety and our communication wasn't the greatest. And we were just kind of surviving. We were not thriving spiritually, even though we were Christian leaders. So God had to awaken us to that and say, Hey, get back to first things first, first, my kingdom, put me back in my rightful place in those moments that nobody else is watching. When you're exhausted, you're tired. Where are you going for your, your first turn? Where are you turning for your fulfillment to be refreshed and you're refueled? Are you running to my feet? Or are you just going to the distractions of this world? And so we kind of walked through a revival season where we cleansed a lot of that that meaningless stuff out of our life. And we got kind of back to basics, back to how we used to spend our time before we were married. And that, that season of, of letting God remind us what was really important and how to put first things first in our life 
is really the reason why we have Ellerslie today. I honestly believe walking through that season of purging unnecessary distractions out of our life and saying, no matter how tired we are, no matter how exhausted we are, no matter what other distractions are trying to vie for our attention, we are going to keep Jesus in his rightful place and, and turn to him in those, those, and it's a daily just using those moments where you're thinking, oh, I'd much rather just veg in front of a you know TV show right now rather than pray. I'd much rather just surf the internet than dive into a, a meaningful book. It's just those moments of decision and letting God kind of bring us back to that and retrain us back into that uh, paved the way for everything that we do and teach at Ellerslie. I don't think we would still have a strong marriage or, or have a strong ministry if we hadn't allowed God to train us in both of those seasons of our lives. Amen. I just think that's great. Thanks, uh, Les, for giving that input. I think that just fits in perfectly with this entire discussion on the impact of the small decisions truly changing uh, the bigger aspects of our life. So great. Thanks. Well, I really appreciated the practicality of what Leslie just brought up. And, and I would even encourage those, those who may not be following Leslie's ministry, <clears throat> there's an incredible, I mean, she's doing some incredible work mm -hmm. with the whole set apart realm. And uh, even, even the upcoming conferences, June, mm -hmm. looking at what they're going to be talking about as, as women of all ages and just pursuing Jesus Christ together in a community for a weekend. I'm actually really, really excited. I'm, I've been praying about it. Not about going for Claire, for Claire to see. Even though you'll probably be there. <laughs> you know, I should, I should probably but, but just so excited about what, just the impact and the influence that Leslie has in this generation of yeah. women is actually really profound. And if you haven't been following Leslie, I'd so encourage you to check out Set Apart uh, and just her, her whole ministry out there, uh, which there's links on the LRZ website. But for those who just listened to that, I almost want you to go like rewind and re-listen yeah. To what Leslie just said, because there were so many great nuggets that I think would just be easy to listen to and then forget, which is the whole, almost ironically, it's like the whole essence of what we've been talking about of don't just listen to things, actually practically put it into, put it into your life. Start with those first things. Start with that seeking first the kingdom of God and recognizing that the reality of our life isn't just the repercussions or the the outflows, it's the stuff that starts all of that. Mm -hmm. Any any final thoughts as you're looking back over this week or on the sermon that you'd really want people to grab a hold of? Yeah, it's been a, a really important process for me at a heightened level. I think it's very good for all of us. Even if, like for me, this is always, you know, a, a forefront issue is like, okay, God, uh, I want to get to those micro level things. What, how am I handling this? Am I approaching you this way? Am I warm towards you and towards your word? Or am I starting to get cold? And yet to focus on it like we have is, I think, rejuvenating to me. And it's given me a, a new strength and energy just to practice. There are certain things even in our home that we have actively done as a result of these past couple of weeks of me preparing even for this message that I gave on Sunday. And I think it's just significant. I think it is the forerunner or like a headwater uh, for revival in our lives as individuals is just to say, God, touch me in those zones. Show me what to do practically. Yes, I'm willing to make that change. And it's usually giving up things that we hold on to tightly for whatever reason, because they're killing us, but we still hold on to them. It's like, God, I don't want to give that up. Even, even if they're good things. They can be good things too, just like the right to be married someday. The, you know, there's, or God, I should have more money in the bank, whatever it is. I should have more comfort in my life as opposed to saying, God, my life belongs to you. 
and I want to rejoice in it just the way it is today, but then I want you to influence it towards your end. I want to see my life shine for you. Please move in, do what you need to do, move the furniture around, throw the furniture out, whatever you need to do, here I am. So good. I think all of us need a, a tune, uh, a refinement, mm-hmm. a tuning, I guess that's the word, but a refinement of these things because all of us need this. Yeah. I find it interesting that Paul, I think, I think it was a Timothy, says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Now, if I looked at Paul or at Timothy, I'd be like, they're fine. <laughs> they're, they're doing just fine. And yet all of us can testify the fact that we we grow lax at times. Yeah. We, we grow lazy. We, we grow yeah. and we need that sharpness of seeking first, making sure God's the priority, making sure that he's the center in all things. So Amen. what a great reminder this week of just the practicality of first things first especially in the early stages, in how we get out of bed, walking in the living room, that kind of thing. Thanks so much, Eric, for the the richness uh, of this topic. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.